Welcome to Scripture Uncovered, a podcast on the Bible brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Now, time for the program. Here's your host, Dr. Bill Creasy. Hello, gang. Bill Creasy here with this week's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Over the past several weeks, we've been meeting some of the women of the Bible. We started with a four-part series on Jesus' mother, Mary, and then we went back to the beginning and we met with Eve and then Sarah, Deborah, and Yael. This week, I'd like to make a date with Ruth, my absolute favorite woman in the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. Now, I have two sons, Adam and Jonathan. I have no daughters, but if I had a daughter, I would name her Ruth. I absolutely love Ruth. Five years ago, I started a new series teaching verse by verse, once again, through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation. Now, I've made that journey many times. In fact, I recorded one complete series, over 500 hours of lectures, covering every book, chapter, and verse of Scripture. I made those recordings in a live class of about 300 students every Tuesday morning for seven years in Seal Beach, California. Those recordings were professionally studio edited and they're available on audible.com. Just search Dr. Bill Creasy on Audible and they'll pop right up. There are thousands of five-star reviews, so have a look. The series I'm teaching now, though, is very different. This time, I've raised the bar, and every course in the new series meets the academic requirements for three units of university credit. Many churches and dioceses throughout the country offer continuing education and in-service credit for the new courses. And it's these courses that are offered today in the Logos online classroom. Every quarter, We add a new course as I complete them, and soon we'll have a complete catalog of graduate-level courses to complement the Audible courses. Anyhow, teaching verse by verse through the entire Bible takes us on a linear narrative, a journey, a straight line from Genesis through the book of Esther. When we reach the end of Judges, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. A straight, linear line. We're in a terrible place. The Israelites have entered and occupied the Promised Land, that is, the land of Canaan, but they are far from being the promised people. They are far away from being paradigms of goodness and righteousness. In fact, The Israelites are worse than the people who are in the land to begin with. Well, when we stand perched on the far end of Judges, and we turn around and look back at the territory we've covered, we see a bloody and smoking landscape littered with corpses. It is dark and dreary. But wait. If we look closely, we see a flash of light, 
a sparkle in the muck and the mire. And if we reach down and pick it up, we see a shining gem. And that shining gem is the book of Ruth. Let me take you right to it. Now the text I'm going to read from is the New International Version translation, or the NIV. So here we go. Back in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Oh, it was a famine unlike any other. Not just a famine of not enough food, but a moral and spiritual famine as well. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Now pause there for a moment. There was a man from Bethlehem, Beit Lachem, the house of bread, and Judah, the house of praise. So a man from the house of bread and praise went with his wife and two sons to live for a while in the country of Moab. Well, if you turn over to the Psalms, Psalm 118 at verse 9, you will find that God calls Moab his wash pot, that is, his toilet. So a very nice follow-up man and his family from the house of bread and praise went to live for a while in God's toilet. Well, that's not upward mobility, I can tell you. Now, the man's name was Elimelech, which means God is my king. His two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. Mahlon and Kilion. Puny and sickly. His wife's name was Naomi, that is, pleasant. So God is my king, from the house of bread and praise, went with his wife, pleasant, and their two sons, puny and sickly, and they went to live for a while in God's toilet. Oh, this story is not off to a good start. Now in verse 3 of chapter 1, Elimelech, God is my king, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons, puny and sickly. So God is my king died and pleasant, or we'll call her Mary Sunshine, is left a widow with the two boys, puny and sickly. And the two boys married Moabite women. Orpah and Ruth. Orpah means fawn, like a deer. I imagine her to be beautiful with light brown hair, thin. She looked like a marathon runner. Oh, she could run. And Ruth. Well, Ruth is a little more hard to translate, but I think of Ruth as glamour. Not like Glamour magazine but glamour like Audrey Hepburn. Not a bad catch for puny and sickly, fawn and glamour. Now, after they had lived there about 10 years, both Mahon and Kilion also died. 
told you they were puny and sickly. And Naomi, Mary Sunshine, was left without her two sons or her husband. So she is the lowest of the low, a widow with no sons to care for her. Now when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, so the famine was over, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Now with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now if you recall from our maps in class, or maps that you may have seen yourself, Moab is east of the Jordan River, where modern-day Jordan is today. And the road going back from Moab to Bethlehem would have been the King's Highway, which runs south to north right through Moab. And when you get up into the mountains of Moab, opposite Jericho, you would come off that road down to Jericho, and from Jericho all the way up to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is about seven kilometers from Jerusalem itself, today a suburb of Jerusalem. Now remember, this is back in the days when the judges ruled, and it's not safe to travel those roads. So here we have Naomi and her two daughters, three women, an older woman and two young women, traveling alone on the dangerous roads. Naomi recognized that danger, and she recognized where they were going, back to Bethlehem. And Moabites had been the traditional enemy of the Israelites for decades. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, and may the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. The two girls are widows as well. So Naomi is thinking of them. You know, she didn't like those two girls at first. Two, my boys married Moabite women? How awful. No Jew would want to go to Moab. No Jew would associate with Moabites, let alone marry them. But her two boys did, and the girls moved in. But after 10 years, they got used to each other. After 10 years, they liked each other. And indeed, after 10 years, they loved each other. Funny how that works. You can hate people, groups of people you don't know. But when you get to know them, well, it's a little harder to hate them. And when you get to really know them, and they become family, you love them. Well, Naomi kissed them, and they wept aloud, and they said to her, No, we'll go with you to your people. But Naomi said, No, no, no. Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? No. Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. I'm an old, broken-down bitter old woman. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, what, you'd wait till they grew up? 
because you know you're not going to be welcome back in Bethlehem. No young man back there will have anything to do with you. Would you remain unmarried for, for these hypothetical sons that I might have? No, no, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord has done this. The Lord has done this to me. And at this, they wept again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. There's a wonderful watercolor by William Blake of Orpah and Ruth with Naomi at the moment of parting. Google it. Look it up online. You'll love it. Now Naomi said to Ruth, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. There are great friendships in the Bible. The friendship between David and Jonathan. The friendship between Jesus and Peter and James and John. But here, I think we have the greatest friendship in all the Bible. Ruth saying to Naomi, I will not leave you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That is a wonderful friendship and a profound love. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived at Bethlehem, the whole town buzzed because of them. The women said, can this be Naomi? Oh, the years have not been kind. Oh, just look at her. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Pleasant. Don't call me Mary Sunshine. Call me Mara, bitter. Because the Almighty has made me very bitter. When I was here, I had everything. I had my husband. God is my king, Elimelech. I had my two boys. I had my home. We had our farm, and I lost it all. I'm nothing. I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. <laughs> Why call me Mary Sunshine? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought this upon me. I am a bitter old woman. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, you know, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. 
The famine is over. The barley has grown. It's going to be harvested. It's April, May, the time of the first fruits. Now we read in chapter 2 that Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, so here they were one morning, oh, they didn't have a, a home. They had a little shack outside of Bethlehem, on a dirt road outside of Bethlehem, a tiny little shack, but it had a white picket fence that they newly painted. It had rose bushes out front. And even though it was a humble abode, even though a humble home, they kept it clean, they painted, it looked nice. It was early in the morning, and Ruth and Naomi were having their breakfast. And as they poured some tea at the table, Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Well, back in the Torah, in Leviticus 19, we read that when you harvest your field, you're to leave a 10% border around the edge and only make one pass through the field. The poor are then allowed to come in and pick up any grain that was dropped and harvest the 10% border. That was part of God's poverty program. The poor would be fed, but they had to work for it. They weren't given the food. Their dignity was not destroyed. They had to work for it. Well, Ruth learned of this, and she said, let me go out to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who allows me into their field. Well, I don't know. Naomi didn't think much of this because we are, after all, in the days when the judges ruled, and it wouldn't be very safe for a beautiful young woman to enter the field where the workers were. Back in Judges, we saw what happened to such women. We saw the Levite's concubine brutally raped. Dangerous times. But Naomi, recognizing their position, said, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Well, I'll be darned. Ruth walked down that little dirt road, over the hill, down into the valley, where the fields were. Shepherd's fields, we call it. That's where the shepherds were watching their flocks by night when Jesus was born. They were down in the fields. She went down to the fields and she stopped at one field and she looked in and the foreman said, go on, get out of here. We don't want your kind here. She continued on. She looked in another field, same response. We don't want you here. Go away. You're, you're that Moabitess, aren't you? And finally she came to a field 
And the foreman looked at her and gestured for her to come in. His boss told him, if any poor people come, let them glean in the field. So Ruth went in. And just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. And he greeted the harvesters. So Boaz, an important man in town, he had a big meeting up in Bethlehem. I'll bet he was on the board of directors of the Bank of Bethlehem. And he left Bethlehem. He came down that road in, in, a, in a forest green Range Rover. And as he passed the fields, he waved to the workers. The workers waved to him. Lord be with you, he said. And they replied, the Lord bless you. He had good relations with his workers. Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters. He got to the field, stopped the Range Rover, got out, and he was watching, in the, watching the workers. And he saw this beautiful young woman, Audrey Hepburn, gleaning in the fields. And Boaz said to the foreman, who's the girl? And the foreman replied, she's, well, you know, the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. I wouldn't let her into the field, but you, you, told, you told me to. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So you told me to allow them in. And I did. And she went into the field and she's worked steadily from morning till now, except for a mid-morning break in the shelter over there. Well, Boaz went over to Ruth. And he said, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. Boaz is watching out for her. He said, and whenever you're thirsty, go get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Boaz had a, a red igloo cooler strapped to the back of the Range Rover with ice in it. He said, do you get thirsty? The cooler's on the back of the, of the Rover. Ruth is stunned. At this, she bowed with her face to the ground. She said, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. You know, up at the board of directors meeting at the bank, that's all they were talking about, this young woman who came back with Naomi. Well, May the Lord repay you for what you've done, and may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Again, Ruth is stunned. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and spoken kindly to your servant, though I don't have the standing of even one of your servant girls. 
she continued working. And at lunch break, the workers went over under a tree and they opened their sack lunches. And Boaz uh, said to her, he had a table set up. He was seated there, his foreman was there, some other important people were there. And Boaz said, uh, uh, Ruth, come over here, please, come join us. Come sit beside me, have, have some bread, yeah, dip it in the wine. Well, Ruth went and she sat with Boaz and the important men at the table and it was delicious pita bread and freshly baked in the oven and she dipped it in the wine. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her roasted grain, first hot meal she had had in a long time. And she ate all she wanted and had some left over. She said to Boaz, would, would you mind if I took a doggy bag with me? Oh, of course. So he filled the doggy bag for her. As she got up to go back to work, Boaz gave orders to his men, even if she gathers among the sheaves, because she's been working very diligently, and rather than staying behind the workers, she's getting up in there with them. He said, even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't you embarrass her. Rather pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So, Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ephah of flour, about three-fifths of a bushel. So she worked hard that day. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Well, you can bet that Naomi was watching out the window at that little dirt road for hours. She was worried about Ruth because now yeah, we're back in the days when the judges ruled. Dangerous out there for a beautiful young girl. But she saw Ruth coming up the road, carrying a, a, a big bushel of grain. And Ruth also brought out what she had left over after she'd eaten enough. <laughs> Naomi opened the door and she saw all that grain and, and was amazed. And, and they sat down and, and Ruth said, oh, by the way, I, I brought you some leftovers from lunch. Her mother-in-law asked, where in the world did you glean today? Where did you work? Why, blessed be the man who took notice of you. This is overwhelmingly generous. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had gleaned. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Ah, Naomi slapped her head and said, oh my gosh, I forgot all about him. The Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is a close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. He is a kinsman redeemer. If I turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 25 at verse 5, we find out about 
a kinsman redeemer. Deuteronomy 25, beginning at verse 5. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, that would be puny and sickly, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. So if a woman marries a man and he dies before they have children, his brother is obligated to marry her and the first child they have will become the legal heir of the dead brother. Now, if the brother also died, then it would go down to the next relative. Well, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. He is one who could marry Ruth, have a child with her, and produce an heir for her dead husband. Well, Ruth the Moabitess said, why, he then said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all the grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, oh, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. He's watching out for you. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, you can be sure that Naomi had a plan. She looked at Ruth, Audrey Hepburn sitting at the table, and she knew Boaz, handsome fellow, a wealthy man, and he's looking out for Ruth. Oh, the wheels are turning in Naomi's head, and we'll have to wait until next week to finish the story. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Scripture Uncovered, brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.